If you find the first issue of a gay Superman comic book at a garage sale, how much do you pay for it? Coming up on the Anti-Woke Podcast. The new Black Panther movie, because the actor died, Black Panther is now a female Black Panther. And so it may be good. I, I don't have it in front of me. But anyways, I decided to go down the list of Marvel superheroes who now either have a black version of the superhero or a female version of the superhero, basically as opposed to the comics. And, you know, the comics started in the early to mid-60s, so for 50 years, these people were white men, and now we got a different version. Sometimes you replace the person themselves, sometimes you just add a, you know, like Thor, for instance. Now there's a female Thor to go alongside the male Thor. But I'll try and recreate the list here. Uh, so Spider-Man, there's a black one. Thor, there's a female one. Hulk, there's a female one. Black Panther, there's a female one. Captain America, there's a black one. Iron Man, there's a black female one. Hawkeye, there's a female one. Namor the Submariner is now a Mexican. Nick Fury is now black. I mean, we all love Sam Jackson. And then there's at least a couple more that I can't remember right now. And then, no one cares about the Eternals, but they made some of the Eternals gay. And then DC, the other comic book company, and their movies, they haven't done quite the same stuff. I mean, they don't make as many movies. They're not as successful. I mean, they're probably thinking about doing the same stuff. But in the comics, DC lately is making everyone gay. So there's a gay version of Superman. There's a black gay version of Aquaman. And they made Robin from Batman and Robin uh, bisexual. But, you know, if you're part of the category of men who have sex with men, then, I mean, to me, that's gay. Like, I saw a clip from some old Law and Order with Ice-T, and he's talking to some other black guy, and the black guy's like, I'm not gay, I just have sex with other men. And Ice-T is like, you're gay. And so, some of these things are worse than others. I just, you know, it's a long list, but, you know, some of them are fine. Like, back in the mid-2000s, Marvel Comics, like the actual comic books, they created an ultimate version. So, you you know, you could read Spider-Man or you could read the ultimate Spider-Man. You could read Iron Man or you could read Ultimate Iron Man. And basically it was, you know, like the ultimate Spider-Man. It started at the, you know, the first issue. You know, he gets bitten by a radioactive spider and gets his powers. So it's basically just a way to retell the whole story. And then they just added the word ultimate to tell you we're rebooting the whole Marvel Universe. But we're also, you can still read the old, you know, the normal versions. You know, you have to buy both of them now. And then when they rebooted the Ultimate Avengers, they actually chose Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury. And so, like, in those comic books, like, you know, every superhero just has a generic... Like, the women all look the same, the men all look the same. You know, like, Bruce Wayne and Clark Kent have the same jaw and same hair, blah, blah. But the Ultimate Avengers... They made it look like Samuel L. Jackson. Like the artist was good enough, and he could he could he could make it look like Samuel L. Jackson, whereas everyone else just looked like a generic superhero. And so and that was fine. So it makes it a little more legit when Samuel L. Jackson plays Nick Fury in the movies. And then Ironheart, which is the black female teenage genius version of Iron Man. I mean, they did do that in the comics. I don't think anyone liked that. Like the, the Ultimate Avengers, people love that comic. The Ironheart stuff, no one liked that comic whatsoever. But anyways, if you're like, if you're telling me, and they are telling me, 
So now Iron Man is going to be a black teenage female. My answer to you is shut the fuck up. That's fucking stupid. And her name is Riri Williams, and she's smarter than Tony Stark ever was. I mean, screw you. I'm a comic book collector. Let's talk about that for a second. So like I said, Nick Fury is now played by Samuel L. Jackson. But I have Nick Fury's first appearance, and I got it at a garage sale. And the name of the comic is actually Sergeant Fury and His Howling Commandos. Because just like in the movies back in the day, how westerns were so popular, in comics, westerns were popular, and also war comics were popular. So basically, Nick Fury was not a secret agent. He was just a World War II, I don't know, I guess he was a sergeant, and they went and fought in wars. And so I got a completely tore up copy of that comic for a dollar or less at a garage sale. And let me tell you, you never ever see good comics at garage sales, but there it was, Sergeant Fury number one from 1963, and I bought it, and I graded it, and it's, I don't know what it's worth, maybe 500 bucks now. And so there's this thing called grading, where basically you send your comics to a company, and they they put it, they slab it, they put it in a slab. Basically, there's a, there's a hard plastic case that you can't open without destroying it. And so you send it to that company, and they put a grade on it from zero to ten. You know, and the higher the grade, the better condition it is, the more money it's worth. Like my Sergeant Fury got a .5. If it was a ten, it'd be worth, I don't know what, a quarter million dollars. And in the entire world, there probably does not exist a Sergeant Fury number one in a 10. I mean, to get a 10 is very, very difficult and rare. For old comics, you know, you can get a new comic, you can go to the store and buy a 10 right off the shelf today, but no one gives a crap about that. So old comics, high grade, hard to find. The kids abused them. And I had a Spider-Man 300. I bought it when it was new because I was reading Spider-Man. It's the first appearance of Venom. I got it graded. I sold it for like 150 bucks. That comic is now worth like $3,000. You know, hopefully you heard of Venom. He's had two movies. I guess he'll be black and gay and female shortly. And then about five years ago, I bought an expensive comic as an investment. Like kind of what happened, I went to a comic book store, and they had the first uh, Captain Marvel comic. It's, you know, it's called Marvel Superheroes number 13. That doesn't matter. But, you know, the, the movie, Captain Marvel, with the girl... I got the first appearance of her in a phenomenal condition for, I think, like 35 bucks. It's, like, it's the best deal I've ever found at a comic store. And at that time, I was doing a lot of garage sailing. And so, like, I, I remember one thing I sold. I sold a bunch of stuff on eBay. One of the things was, like, you know those, like, super small, intricate kits of steam engines? Like, the, you know, the one I had, you know, it was from the 80s. It was a steam, it was an intricate steam tractor kit kind of like a plastic model except it's all made out of metal and you can put it together and you i don't know you you put some sort of pellets in there that burn and the thing actually moves around anyways i did not put it together i just i bought it for like ten dollars at a garage sale and i sold it for 150 dollars on ebay and at another garage sale i found the uh giant i mean the thing's probably 16 inches wide like the hood emblem from a 1955 gmc truck i sold that thing for on ebay too So my point is, I sold some comics, and I sold some stuff from garage sales, and I, I don't know, I think I, you know, I I accumulated about $1,500 in PayPal money in eBay, and I just, you know, I sat on that money for a little while. 
And so I said, I'm going to allow myself to buy an expensive comic. And so I believe the price was $1,365. I bought a Hulk 181. The number doesn't matter, except it is the first appearance of Wolverine. And it was a 7.5, which is a pretty high grade. I mean, you can see it was, you know, it cost $1,365. It was not cheap. And I watched eBay for months. I watched eBay for probably three months to find that deal, to find the absolute best deal on a real nice copy of the first Wolverine. And so some comics are called keys. They're called a key comic. They're a key. And usually it's like the first appearance of something, you know, like Hulk 1, first appearance of the Hulk. That's a super key. I mean, a phenomenal key. In perfect condition, the first appearance of the Hulk is worth somewhere in between a half million to a million dollars. For instance, a perfect copy of the first appearance of Spider-Man. That's uh, somewhere in the one million to two million range. You know, the best copy of Superman ever, which is the original superhero. I think that thing's heading towards like five million. So you know, these these are the key comics. Anyway, so the first appearance of Wolverine. That's a key. And so I owned it. I was happy. And then, you know, this is just life. You know, if you can predict the future of the stock market. You can become the richest person on the planet. But the answer is there's not a single person in the world who can predict the future of the stock market because otherwise they would be insanely rich. But during the pandemic, people who collected comics had nothing to do except for sit around the house, chasing the muff around, and then look on eBay and buy comic books. And so supply and demand means that when the demand shoots through the roof because everyone's sitting around the house, the prices go up. And so my 1365 comic, it got up to like eight grand. So, you know, that was like, you know, three years later, just call it $1,500. Three years later, my $1,500 comic was worth eight grand on eBay. You know, or that's how much you could sell it for. And then, wah, wah, wah. Since the, uh, you, you probably heard about inflation and the Fed's raising interest rates and mortgages being more expensive. Well, anyways, that stuff has affected the comics too. And so... I think my comic went up to eight grand. Just in the last six months or something, it's gone down to about five grand. So I mean, still worth more than I paid for it. But who knows? It's you know, it's gone down three thousand dollars recently. It may go down another three thousand dollars. It may go back to what I paid for it here. We'll see. We don't know. And so the average listener to my podcast, I'm sure, does not care about comic book collecting. But I feel like people like to hear stories about money. So. Hopefully that'll be a wash. And I'm just going to run down just general comic book collecting facts here for you. So, Superman appeared in Action Comics number 1 in 1938. And then Batman, that's the first superhero. And then Batman appeared, I think, in Detective, Detective Comics number 27 in 1939. And so that's considered the golden, that's the beginning of the golden age of comics. Basically the oldies. And that was also the years that were, you know, World War World War II was going on, and so they had like paper drives to support the war effort, and so any all the comic books from the years that World War II was going on are insanely rare because, you know, moms moms were being told that they need to pick up all the paper around the house and take it to some, you know, kind of like. Kind of like recycling, kind of like kind of like the bullshit paper recycling we do today. Anyways, they need to take up all the newspapers, and hey, there's a comic book. 
and they needed to take it to some place to support the war effort. And so almost all the comic books that came out, all the oldest ones, they came out during World War II, and they're insanely rare because they all got pulped and used for the war effort. And those comics, because they're the earliest, they're, they're very quaint, they're very uh, kind of primitive and nostalgic. And also, a lot of them have swastikas on them. Not because comic book people were Nazis. I mean, now you, now a comic book fan is a Nazi. But anyways, back then, it would be like Superman fighting the Nazis. And so, you know, that adds a little value to your comic or Hitler. You know, if it's like Superman punching Hitler with a bunch of swastikas on the cover, it makes the thing more valuable. And they were still in the Golden Age, but in the 50s, they started coming out. There's a, there's a company called EC Comics. Like, you know, you got DC, you got Marvel. Well, there's another company that most people don't know about, but it's called EC. It originally stood for Educational Comics, but anyways, they started doing horror comics. Like, you know, the, one of the comics they made that you probably heard of is Tales from the Crypt. And, you know, they're not as valuable as the 40s comics, or especially the 30s, but um, they're valuable. I think one of the most famous, like, one of those comics, it, ha it has the picture of a, a, a blonde woman's head where she's been cut off at the neck just like you know imagine this picture there's a hand holding a blonde woman's head by her hair her neck is severed with blood dripping out of it and then in the, the, the other hand is a hatchet and you can't see who did it all you can see basically is a big picture of a severed head anyways people love that one it's worth a ton and then some guy wrote a book called seduction of the innocent and he said that all of the problems with America's youth is caused by them reading comic books. It's kind of like how nowadays sometimes people will try and blame video games for the problems with the youth. But anyway, so they say comic books are causing all the problems. And so kind of like how movies have like a R rating or a PG rating, they created a rating for comic books. It basically said okay or not okay. It was called the Comics Code Authority. And they did that and... All the horror comic books that were really popular, and they had some, you know, they had sexy ones, they had sexy comic books, they had horror comic books, all that stuff basically got banned. And so don't quote me on these dates, but something like from the mid 40s to the mid 50s, the only superhero comic that, that comics that existed was Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman, and there was no other superhero comics. And then all the horror comics and sexy comics got banned. And so basically what you ended up with was Western comics and war comics. And then in 1954, showcase number four, I mean, it doesn't matter the issue, but anyways, showcase number four brought back The Flash, superhero The Flash. And that was the beginning of what people call the Silver Age of comics. So not as old as the Golden Age, but pretty old. And so that comic sold well. And so then they brought back you know, hopefully you've heard of them, Green Lantern, uh, Justice League of America. And Justice League of America, it's like the Avengers, except that it's like Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, Flash, I think. And then we'll get to Marvel here. So in 1961, Marvel saw that the Justice League comic was selling really well, and they're like, we need to make our own version of the Justice League. And so they created the Fantastic Four, so... Fantastic Four, number one, came out in 61. And so, like, that comic sold phenomenally, it sold really good, 
And so that's kind of the start of the, you know, the Marvel comics that lead to the movies. I guess I will say, like, I think it's the first comic is Fantastic Four, number one. The second comic is Hulk, number one. And Marvel had been doing, along with like a bunch of Western comics, they'd actually been doing monster comics. So it's not clear. Is Hulk a superhero or is he a monster? And it was kind of, it was that transition. Like now he's considered a superhero, but he's kind of considered just a mon- just one of their random monster comics that they used to have. Like they had issues that would say, you know, Fin Fang Foom is coming to destroy the earth. And it would just be, whatever, they just give ridiculous names to monsters that would come and try and kill everyone. But there was no superhero to fight them. But in any case, Fantastic Four, then the Hulk... Then Spider-Man came out, and it was like, it was on. It was on like Donkey Kong. Then you got Thor and Iron Man, and like I say, just everyone, every one of those people you see in the movies. X-Men, I think X-Men was probably 63, 64. So basically from about 61 to 65, all the comic book characters that you know and love, that's when they were created. Well, hell, we're getting deep in the weeds, but I'm never going to make another (laughs) podcast about this, so may as well keep going. So I'm sure you heard of Stan Lee, because he's, he's the guy who kind of created all of them. He created Spider-Man. He created Fantastic Four. He created X-Men. And then he's in the movies. They used to He's dead now, but he died recently. But they, they'd do cameos of him. He'd be like the... Whatever. He would just say one line in every one of the Marvel movies. So you probably heard of Stan Lee. But he was the writer. And the artist for all of them was a guy named Jack Kirby. He's not quite as famous. But Jack Kirby really is more responsible for all the stuff. Like, I think the, the way they used to make the comics with the writer, the writer, you know, Stan Lee would be like, okay, a guy is bitten by a radioactive spider. He gets some sort of spider powers. He goes to a wrestling match. You know, his uncle is killed. He goes to a wrestling match. Like, you know, basically just, there you go, maybe four or five sentences would be what Stan Lee would say. He would send that to Jack Kirby, and then Jack Kirby would actually flesh out the entire story. Like, you know, almost almost everything you know about Spider-Man, other than some guy was bitten by a spider, comes from Jack Kirby. And same thing for X-Men, Fantastic Four, all those, all those MFers. And then in the 70s, you had what's called the Bronze Age of Comics. Uh, Wolverine, that's one of the biggest characters. Wolverine, X-Men. The new X-Men that you know, uh, like Nightcrawler and Storm. Anyways, that's Bronze Age of Comics. And then the 80s and 90s, that's called the Modern Age of Comics. Um, I think the most valuable Modern Age comic is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number one. Uh, You know, the first Venom Spider-Man one is valuable also. And I'm not sure what kind of horseshit you call after the modern. I don't think they come up with a name. I guess we're we're still in the modern age, whatever just came out yesterday. But there was a comic book crash, I think, in 93. Yeah, hell, we'll just keep going. So, in the 80s, there, there's a whole bunch of comic book stores that got opened across America. You know, like, every city of a size or bigger would have their own comic book store. And where I lived, Portland, Oregon, it's the comic book capital of the world. We had, like, 10 comic book stores. But it got really popular, and that was kind of the beginning of the end. So, like, you know, when, this is when I was collecting comic books, right before the crash, when all everything went to shit. Um, so you had a comic book store, and you had your own box. So, like, you know, the store I went to, they had, like, 200 boxes. And you'd be like, I'm box number 37. And you would just say, I want, you know, I want, I want to read 
Spider-Man. So, you know, so they would just, they would put a Spider-Man in your box and you would go there once a week and get your comics out of your box and you had whatever it was that you, you basically ordered it in advance. And like one thing, the local, the place that I used to go to had, is a piece of paper you could just check off, Spider-Man, Batman, whatever. One of those things was, give me all the number one issues. Because at that time, it seemed like, you know, number ones, they were going up in value. Anyways, the, the, the evil comic book overlords realized that people liked a comic that said number one on them more than other ones. And so, you know, like I think I said, give me all the number ones. And all of a sudden, my box was full, you know, 10 issues a week, costing you, you know, 10, 20 bucks. Whatever, they took advantage of us. We were little kids, they took advantage of us. And so if you say, give me all the number ones, all of a, you know, it went from a very rare occurrence to get a number one to your just box was full of piece of shit number ones that had no value. And so basically the comic book companies realized they could jerk around the fans and, ta- and rip them off. And so they did that for a while. And then the thing that destroyed the whole industry was the death of Superman. I forget what issue it was. But anyways, they did a comic where Superman died. I mean, obviously in comics you just bring someone back later. I think they killed him for like a year. But comic book stores all across the nation, they realized this is the death of the Superman issue. So they ordered, you know, they're like, give me a hundred of them. Give me a thousand of them. You know, it depends on how big the store was. Give me 10,000 copies of the death of the Superman. I'm going to sell all these. We're all going to be rich. And so that and a few other things, basically, a bunch of comic book stores bought a bunch of copies of a comic book that they couldn't sell. Sell. There wasn't enough demand for the death of the Superman. And there was a crash, and like comic book stores all across the nation went out of business. Like Portland, Oregon probably went from 10 stores down to like 3 stores. And that's kind of the end of people buying comics and reading comics. I mean, they still make it, but you know... You know, now there's the obviously now the internet crushes comics and no one, no one has time for comic books when you can watch YouTube. I mean, that's how I am. And you know, like you know, DC is like, we need to sell more comics. What are we gonna do? Hey, let's 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 do a Superman. You know, let's reboot Superman. Superman number one, and he's gay and whatever. I think it got canceled pretty quickly. You know, people bought that first one. Hey, you own the first gay Superman, but then you know they didn't keep reading it. Okay, so that's enough of that. Comic books basically kind of went away, and then the comic book movies hit. And so, comics kind of went away, but then the comic book movies came in. And so, a $200 Iron Man number one comic, as soon as the movie comes out, all of a sudden that's a $2,000 comic. And so there's been this kind of gold rush thing where every time they announce that some comic book person is getting a movie then their first appearance, etc., becomes insanely valuable. And then, like I say, interest rates, recession, whatever, has brought the values down. And uh, there you go. That's comic book collecting. Uh, and this is kind of the reason that I made this whole podcast, but I forgot about it. So hopefully you stuck till the end. But eBay is now starting to send you tax forms to fill out for what you sell on eBay. And so if you buy a comic for cheap on eBay, and then you wait a little while and sell it for a ton of money on eBay, that's considered capital gains. It's not income taxes, it's capital gains taxes. And I think it's about 30%. And so eBay and PayPal, I think they take about 15% of your money. That's, that's their cut, so you can use them to sell your comic. 
and that's not bad, you know. You buy a comic for a thousand, it goes to ten thousand, they take fifteen hundred dollars, that ain't too bad. But now you gotta pay taxes on it. I mean, whatever. Whatever. You have to pay taxes, it's the law. And people are getting away with not paying taxes, but anyways, now there's thirty percent on that. So now when you buy a comic for a thousand, you sell it for ten thousand. You got to pay 15% to eBay fees and you got to pay 30% to capital gains taxes. So 30% plus 15%, 45%, call it 50%. So, anyways, now you lose about 50% of the money you made on a comic book, which means that now you want to go find, you know, you got to go to a comic convention and sell it in person because if you sell it online, you lose half your money. Alright, I said something wrong. Why the hell did I pick Spider-Man? So, what I was saying, Stan Lee is not really responsible for creating all those characters. It's more Jack Kirby. Well, that is still true. But Jack Kirby created every single character except for Spider-Man. That was created by a different guy. Twitter handle, at Anti-Woke Podcast, and thanks for listening.